0: Okay, so my name is Ashley Higgins. I work at the Ohio Ministry Network. I am the assistant to the assistant superintendent, our late Jim, um, Jim Palmer. And um, I've been writing in a professional nonprofit setting for over 10 years. And so it's, it's a different skill and kind of an art to learn to write for business or nonprofits. Um, oftentimes, when we're in school, we're told to elaborate on things. We make language fluffy and pretty. And in a business nonprofit setting, um, most of the time your constituents or your laypeople, they want the information right out front. And so it's difficult to switch from what you've been taught in school for this really flowery language to get right to the point and get to the context of the message that you're trying to send. So really quick, just since this is a small class, um, can you each introduce yourself and then tell me what your what your role is and how you would be using writing? Sheila, do you want to
1: start? Oh, sure. Um, I'm Sheila, and I was the admin assistant for Eastside Community Church for the last four and a half years. Oh, okay. Um, Okay. So I'm hoping to still serve in an admin role because that's my gifting. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: but writing has never been my thing, and I've never been the one to be able to put any fluff in anything. I'm very direct and to the point. Okay. So, well, okay. then you're in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's you know, if I have to send a church email, it's hey, don't forget there's this on Sunday. Yeah. Either. Like, yeah. Okay. I need to fluff it a little bit. Yes.
0: I think, okay.
1: Versus being
0: too direct. Too direct. Okay. So, Yep, that's good. Brandon. <laughs>
1: My name's Brandon. Uh, I work up at a Heartland Conference and Street Center. I'm uh, a business administrator, so I send a lot of emails, pay a lot of bills, I'll deal with a lot of uh, people that owe us money, and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, so, so pretty yeah, direct. You know, uh, all that. Yeah, yeah. So some tough, some tough topics to address. Things I can pick up to. to
0: Yeah, that's not easy asking for money <laughs> for <laughs> communication. Okay, and Linda? Uh, well, I just uh, went from last October, started at Calvary Chapel and died in Orlando Hi. I uh, was the secretary. Okay. So all this is very new to me, so okay. I maybe in some way it would
1: be helpful. Okay. okay.
0: Yeah. Joe?
3: I'm the executive pastor at Radiant Life Church in Dublin, and there's always emails, and leading teams, and managing staff, and can always get better at branding.
0: Yeah, and then our newcomer. We're just doing a quick inter, um, introduction your name and, and how business rating applies to your job.
2: Um, I'm Katie. I work with a fair like a nonprofit. OK. Um, and um, I communicate with a lot of different people, like government agencies, as well. I do foster care ministry as, okay. as well. Yes. And um, some of the feedback I have gotten from like, my bosses that my. Right. Um, like, I've never was formally taught how to write a business email. Okay. So I just kind of have been waiting and I yeah. can improve my skills.
0: Okay. Well, that's really good that you even notice that because a lot of people walk around and send stuff and don't really care what it looks like and so the fact i can just tell you as i was preparing for this i have a degree in english from the university of colorado and then i teach at southeastern university at our ohio network campus um, theology and then a, a core class for freshmen but there yeah please turn your desk to be comfortable yeah <laughs> um and so All that to say is, as I was preparing for this, I hit some reminders of like, oh yeah, I had forgotten that. Like, that's a good thing to remember when I'm writing these emails to the superintendent or to church um, ministers. And so there's always room for growth. We only have 45 minutes really in here. And so what I have done is put together five steps Um, that are like helpful hints for business writing for you. And so hopefully this will get you on the right track, that you're feeling more comfortable and natural in writing business, either formal letters, if you guys are still doing that. Our network doesn't do that too often, but occasionally I will do formal letters and email communication specifically. So in this class, um, we're gonna discuss email communication is, gosh, that's so tiny up there, is a, Vital to creating a positive first impression for any organization or individual. Clear, effective communication is the key to saving workplace time and efficiency. Strengthen your communication skills by learning how to easily put your thoughts into words and improve your business writing skills through writing to do's. And so you have each of my slides on here. I apologize if they came out tiny, but I thought you could make make notes if you needed to. Okay, so we're gonna go over to the success Steps to successful business writing. Step one, we're gonna get started easily and naturally, which I think that is probably one of the number one problems. Like Brandon was saying, when you're having to communicate a difficult topic, a lot of times it's like, Whoa, where do I even start? Like I'm asking them for money, (laughs) or I'm saying this bill's late. And so oftentimes we get hung up in what we're asking for and how difficult that may be. And we get hung up in our writing. So um, step two, we're going to learn to be concise, explicit and clear. Step three, we're going to write with style and rhythm, which I think every writer wants that, right? You want your writing to sound smooth. We're going to edit and proofread effectively. And step five, we're going to master emails and electronic communication. Okay, we're going to try and pack that into 45 minutes. So step one, um, get started easily and naturally. So this, I, we're not gonna go super deep in this, these are just helpful hints for you, okay? So you're gonna answer a few questions to clarify when you get started. You're gonna overcome writer's block if you write like you speak. Um, oftentimes people frown upon that, but if you don't know where to start, that's the best place to start, is just act like you're having a conversation and jumpstart your writing. Start with a few basic questions. What's the situation you're trying to address, the problem or issue that's prompting you to write, okay? Um, I think about oftentimes when I am emailing people, I'm asking them for something, right? I am asking for them to complete an action for me. And so that's, that's the number one thing. Who's going to read it? Is this a superior or is this somebody that's maybe not a superior? You need to think about how you're addressing uh, the communication. What do the readers need to know? And what action do you want your readers to take? Okay, so I just came up with this really funny scenario, but, and I'm gonna read it to you. If we're gonna write like we speak, you're about to write an email to your lead pastor summarizing yesterday's meeting about strategies for Ohio for Jesus, okay? We all know that that's this big thing that Pastor John keeps talking about. And individual church goals. No one else from the church T- attended the meeting while staring at your computer screen you get a frantic call from your lead pastor who says listen he says john Wooden wants me on a conference call in two minutes and i have no idea what happened in yesterday's meeting you were there i need you to tell me in 60 seconds what was discussed and what the next steps for us are okay <laughs> can you guys just imagine that you've attended this meeting you were like you've been to those meetings where you're drinking from a fire hose and your pastor wants to know what are the key takeaways basically what are the key takeaways and so when you approach communication what are your key takeaways that you want your reader to know Um, i think sometimes um, i work with all different generations in our office and if you have um, been working with communication long enough formal letters are long right they're fluffy they're long email communication is not long and people will not take the time to read your really long fluffy email i don't know how else to say that but um, people receive lots of emails a day and so they just need your bottom line up front Jumpstart writing free writing take time to do personal brainstorming it frees you from grammar so who in here feels like they're strong in grammar okay that's good that's like half of you oh i don't know what just happened there i must time you out um, if you free-write, all free-writing means is that you are taking the time and you're putting your thoughts to the page and then you go back later and you deal with the grammar later. So you get everything you need on the page and then you go back and you edit and create an outline. That's another way to just jump start. Step two, be concise and clear. Use fewer words and sentences to convey your messages. Avoid misunderstandings with precise details and a logical order of context. Go back to the five W's, who, what, where, why, when, right? We all know those. I feel like I'm not telling you anything new, but it's just a good reminder and a rule of thumb when you're writing to make sure you're covering those things. Provide immediate context to enrich understanding and stay away from stuffy language. Okay, so here's an example, a couple examples of fat, meaning fluffy, (laughs) fluffy sentences versus more lean. And so with business writing, we're going lean. We're cutting out the extra stuff that's not necessary. If it's not bringing context, then we're gonna get rid of it. So in the first sentence it says, in an effort to substantially lower costs, we should strive to order materials only from local nearby suppliers. Okay, we're gonna take that same information and we're gonna make that sentence a little more streamlined. It says, to lower costs, we should only order materials from local suppliers. Do you guys see the difference? That we've gotten rid of the, nece- the not necessary in an effort to substantially, and then we just also got rid of nearby, sup- nearby to convey the same, same information. It, business writing is a total flop from anything you flip-flop from school, right? From high school, writing papers, any of that. Um, here's another example a fat versus a lean sentence all employees must submit timesheets on a daily basis there's not much of a difference you can see in the length of the sentence but we just got rid of on a daily basis to all employees must submit timesheets daily that's more clear right it's clear we're just getting rid of extra stuff okay here's another example i thought you may like to know more than 25 percent of the support staff is expected to take vacation in july based on the report from hr how would you streamline that? Anybody? 25% of the staff take vacation in July. Yeah, we'll take vacation in July, yeah. Perfect, yep. So look at how much we cut out just with that. And it, so when you're writing with, like you speak a lot of times, your sentence will look like this. And you'll just go back and you'll say, okay, not all of that's necessary, but here's the idea. Um, Oftentimes we write in multiple short sentences that's just our tendency is a simple sentence and so when you're writing business communication you want to take your multiple sentences with a lot of needless words like up here the September social media report was emailed to me yesterday I feel it's too vague the report also exaggerates the number of impressions okay so in that sentence We said a lot. We said how we feel. We said, and and typically when you're in a professional environment, you're not going to sit there and tell people how you feel about something. So we're going to make it more concise. We're going to say the September social media report is too vague and exaggerates the number of impressions. You're still getting your feeling out there and your opinion out there. You're just not labeling it your opinion. (laughs) Does that make sense? Okay. So you're identifying the essential facts for your communication. Okay, keep text in order. Don't let out-of-order text confuse readers. Reordering words can clarify the meaning. Meaning, I can't tell you how many times I receive emails from people that things are out of place, and I cannot tell what on earth they're referring to because stuff is not in context. So here's an example of that. Confusing. I need to speak with Pastor Dave before his meeting today with the men's ministry team at 230 Well, is Pastor Dave meeting with the team at 2.30? Am I needing to meet with him at 2.30? So you just need to clarify that. Here's more clear. I need to speak with Pastor Dave today before his 2.30 meeting with the men's ministry team. There's no question there. We know he's meeting at 2.30. I'm saying I need to meet with him prior to that. This is some stuffy language examples, and you can... um, just be more straightforward. I think when we're in nonprofit worlds, whether it's in foster care, um, I work at the network office, but I've also worked in the nonprofit world. And sometimes we wanna sound kind of, I don't know, just smarter than what what we need to. And sometimes we can take these words, like the assumption to believe or acquaint yourself with to learn and get rid of some of that and just be really straightforward. It's all about being direct your turn can anyone and you don't have to rewrite it at this point but does anyone want to try and verbally redo this sentence so that it's more straightforward it says our church lay people will become acquainted with the new software system called realm that facilitates the tracking of attendance instead of the old black book attendance tracker it's a lot of words (laughs) No. I mean, what do they
1: consider,
0: like, <laughs> attenders? Yeah, attenders. People? Yeah, people. I think you could probably say our church will become acquainted with the new software system called Realm. That attra- uh, that, You could or even say that, yeah, or learn, yes. Because we just said s- the stuffy, thank you, <laughs> stuffy versus straightforward. Learn, the new software system called Realm that tracks attendance. Right? yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so but really can you see how this is putting your thought to the page and then it was really easy because you knew what you were trying to say cutting out the extra stuff that wasn't necessary for whomever you were communicating with okay so this is a good way get your stuff on the page and then go back and edit and cut out and i think often um, when i have to send a difficult email which I oftentimes do unfortunately that's what I will do first I will get out the who what where why when just brain dumping on the page and then I will go back make sure that it's in context I'll take the time to look at my grammar I'll cut out all the fluff to make sure that my message is really clear does anybody have any questions so far I do. sure Yes.
1: Which, you
0: know, I've learned a lot about that from
1: that from Yes. But I still
0: need to more. Yeah. And it's, sometimes that's difficult, I think, um, especially when we have our own personal opinions attached to things and we're writing, like that one about the social media and how I felt about the social media report. Yeah. You can still convey those things without being totally overt about it. Um, and being very direct, that it was that report was exaggerated, you know. And I'm not saying I felt the report, you know. A good word, yes. Yes. What were you going to say? No, I have two questions. Sure. Oh.
2: I have noticed most of the people who I communicate with in the church world, I'm communicating with men. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I have some people who are like, you know, you should always start your email. With, how are you? How are your, how's your family? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't, in this moment, I just want to set up a lunch. Yeah. I'll ask a person how to, like, I don't, is that necessary? Yeah. And then other people are like, I want one line. Yeah. Give me one line and I'll get an email response right away. Otherwise, if I send them a paragraph, it's a week. Right. And like, so is there a difference when you're
0: um you know i don't treat them differently but here's what i would say is that it's always okay to be polite it's always okay to say i hope this email finds you well and leave it at that and then get into what you need to talk to them about dear so and so i hope this finds you well let's get to the point you know and that way you're not coming across as i'm i I just you know i want what i want so um sometimes that can be offensive to people um, if it just seems like you're wanting this action item and that's it. And so just be sensitive to that. But you don't have to go into a whole paragraph of like, How, how's Susie and how's your dog? And, you know, I think it's okay to just say, like, you know, I hope you're well. I, I'm emailing today for that, you know, to, to set up a lunchtime with you. And so we'll get into that a little bit more with email communication. Yes. I would yes. also
3: add it, it is important to know who your audience is and what the context is. And some people, do, you do maybe need to have just. Because yeah. you have a specific action item yep. you just want to get to here's what I need type of thing. And so it's okay to understand the different contexts. Not I wouldn't word necessarily male or female, but just as the audience that you're going at, but it's okay to have different contexts and to use different language for different contexts. Yeah. Like I think that's okay and neither one is right or wrong. No. Um be aware of who you're
1: talking to and how, what
0: is the best way to communicate with them? Yeah. Sometimes when I email with missionaries, I know that like, it would seem really insensitive if I listed out everything I want from them in order to complete my job. Um, and because I care about them and their families and their ministries. So I might take, you know, a few moments, like a few sentences to say, you know, I hope you're, you know, I hope you're well, and then ask them some specific questions about what I know is going on with them, and then get into, hey, I'm emailing for this. So I think it's what Joe said, being sensitive to who your audience is. But I don't think it's necessary that you go into like, you know, especially if you're not a relational person and that's not really how you operate, you can be polite and still um, get to the bottom line.
2: I had
0: another question. Sure we're just going to mix questions in as we go because that makes the most sense with this this
2: um, Is I often will um, like email people and request three or four pieces of information like you know are you going to speak at this, are you going to do this and like on the same topic and I feel like almost always I get a response to one question Mhm. it's usually the last question Okay. and so me and like a coworker Discussing, is it better to send three emails with one question on each? Mm-hmm. Or like is that I feel like I have to rewrite the whole email and go, you know, I'm so glad you're gonna be there, but see, what kind of lunch do you want? These are the options, or whatever it is.
0: Yeah. Like I think um, I think you could go a number of ways with that. I think like you're saying you could write a few emails if you know that person responds better to just be people action people. items. Yeah. Oftentimes, um, and we'll get into this in the email communication, so I won't spend a lot of time right now, but um, if you highlight the action that you need your reader to take or you bullet those items, like, I need an answer on this, this, and this, and typically, if you make that part of your email stand out, you'll get a response. So, okay. So, we'll keep going for right now. I
2: I I typically do do a list. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Like, have hey, like questions like and then number them. And when they
1: have a list of questions and it's separate from your paragraph, they can easily look at that and, like, oh, there's three questions here. This is what she needs to know. Yeah. So it just, because I had to do with that with our lead pastor, I'd email him a paragraph of three or four different things I needed, and I would get an answer to the last question. I'm like, okay, what about this? And then it
0: turns into 10 emails <laughs> trying to figure out. We're so. going to get into all of this. I love okay, this. Okay.
1: Where
2: was initial, no, like, no,
0: it's it. fine. I just love it because these are problems. They're real problems, right? right? That we start it treating. Time. Yes.
2: And now I'm like, okay, this is an hour instead of five minutes.
1: Right. Right. Well, okay. The more you like Joe said, the more you know your audience, it's gonna help too because you know, like I know our lead pastor needed a list. Not everyone needs
0: that. Right. Okay, so we're gonna write with style and rhythm. Um just good rules of thumb is um, you want to keep, keep active instead of passive verbs. You want to balance your text, which we'll go into that. You're going to use parallel structure for bullet points, um, which is kind of like your list situation. You're going to vary sentence openers, structure, and length. So openers like first, first I need this, second I need this. You're going to have some transition words in there. And you're going to break the short sentence only habit. Or long sentence. What I'm seeing with a lot of my students is the long, run-on sentence.
2: Paragraphy.
0: Yes. <laughs> sentence. So, breaking that habit as well. Okay, so here's an example of parallel structure. Um, I attended a meeting, I came out from the meeting, and these were my suggestions to uh, the assistant superintendent. To improve communication, I suggest meetings conducted once a week, hold webinars each month, and I'd recommend status reports to be produced every quarter. That's pretty easy to see, right? But a better way to do that is to make it parallel. So here's a better parallel version. To improve communication, I suggest weekly meetings, monthly webinars, quarterly status reports. Same information, just more direct and clean. Okay, here's some examples of verbs being hidden in nouns and the active version of that. So when you see that happening in a sentence, it is less direct, it's not direct. Um, so they're in, they are in agreement, they agree. Um, we will conduct a study, study. So just pay attention to those things in your writing. And I'll give some examples. This is a weaker version. They're all of the belief that online learning modules can boost the grades of first year students. A stronger way to say that would be they all believe that online learning modules can boost the grades of first year students. Do You guys see the difference? And this is not the end of the world. If this is not your strong suit, it's okay. (laughs) It's just helpful hints to your writing. Weak, most of the board are in agreement that more dollars should be allocated to the building fund. Most of the board agrees that more dollars should be allocated to the building fund. Do you guys see the difference? Any, were you going to say something? Oh,
3: it should even be most of the board agrees that we should allocate to the building rather than should,
0: should be, be Yep, you're right. Thank you. Also, I would say when we get to the editing portion, and I'll say that, I, if I'm writing an important communication to people, guess what? I, I'm i an English major. I have other people read it because you don't pick up on all your errors in your writing. Joe did not proof this for me. <laughs> but I'm just saying that that you when you write, you're not going to pick up. This is so interesting that it keeps making me do this. Um, you're not going to pick up on your errors in your own writing because we don't oftentimes we won't see our errors. Okay, step four, edit and proofread effectively. So do not write and edit at the same time. That's a big no-no. Like I said, you wanna do a brain dump. You wanna get the information on the page. Otherwise you're gonna start overthinking what it is you're trying to say. Then you're gonna go back. After you've done the brain dump, (laughs) gotten everything there, then you're gonna go back and edit. So good helpful tips, always read aloud. I'm sure my coworkers think I'm a little crazy because they'll hear me mumbling to myself in my cubicle. (laughs) If I'm sending an important communication, I'm reading it out loud because otherwise I won't hear the air in my writing. Um, Another tip, I don't do this, but I know many people that do, they'll start from the bottom up and read backward. Do Do you? Yeah. Is Is it helpful to you? Interesting, okay, I don't operate that way, but it was a suggestion, so I put it on here. Review each sentence as a separate entity, and then be consistent in style. Um, Use Word or a similar program. There's Grammarly, there's Word, there's lots of things out there that if that is not your strong suit, that you can dump your information in and it will pick up on those errors. And then you can go back in and fix it. Um, That's just a helpful suggestion okay three stage process Um, number one when you're writing make sure that your message or purpose is clear which we've been talking about also when you're editing um, you end up looking at each sentence as its own entity but make sure that information is chunked right that's how we write in paragraphs Um, you want to make sure like things are together that it's logical Um, the example of um, pastor dave that i needed to get with pastor dave for his two thirty meeting and it was very unclear make sure that it's logical that the structure is reasonable that you're giving context to whatever it is you're asking for mechanics would be your last thing which is the typos punctuation grammar and word usage okay and step five this is really what we all operate in right is email communication is anybody still really writing form letters do you brandon at heartland for things a few i do too yeah. a,
2: handful.
0: a handful but the majority of our communications email right yeah, yeah. okay so we're going to talk about enhancing our email efficiency we're going to craft explicit action generated subject lines that's huge if you want your email read <laughs> that's big you're going to bottom line up front you're going to follow email etiquette and you're going to compose mobile friendly emails and professional text messages which professional Um, text messaging a lot of churches are now doing that with their staff that they're they're texting lay people or attenders members or or even um, you know teams teams are texting now and so that's a real thing knowing what is a professional text and we're not really gonna touch too much on that but just being aware that that is a thing. Well constructed email messages can provide clear directions that promote efficiency, build morale They solidify key relationships, they generate leads for us, and they offer many other benefits. These were some statistics that I thought were super interesting about email communication. Over half of the world population used email in 2019. In 2019, 293 billion emails were sent. It's crazy. Well, so each day the average office worker, 121 emails. Received 121 emails. So are you are your inboxes looking like this? Between junk mail and just emails that are sent. Yeah, mine too. Mine sometimes more <laughs> because my um, When I was working for Jim Palmer, that's how he communicated with everybody And so some days I'd have 200 in a day and it's like you've got to be able to scan and figure out what's priority um, The average amount of overall emails open on a desktop computer computer is 16% on mobile devices, is 55%. So as you're creating that email communication, you've got to keep in mind that somebody's opening it on their phone. And that if you're making lists or columns or anything like that, it might not show up the right way. A majority of 62.8% of business professionals prefer email to communicate for business purposes. Okay, so subject lines on emails. We all know this. Like what do you look at first when you're you're scrolling down your inbox? Urgent. Urgent, yeah, that's one. I usually
2: look at who it's from
0: first. I look at who it's from first too, and then I look at the subject line. (laughs) That's my second. Yeah. So I know for certain people, if Pastor John Wooten has emailed me, guess whose email is getting open first? Like that's my boss, it's getting open first. Jim Palmer's emails got open first when he was with, when I was working with him. You know, I scan to see if there's somebody that doesn't typically email me, I might open theirs because it's like, well, they don't typically email me, what is it they're needing? But what we need to keep in mind is that subject lines are like headlines in a newspaper or an online news outlet. Individuals scan their email, by from and subject line to determine priority and so when you're sending something that is an action that you're needing somebody to take guess what your subject line needs to reflect that so you're going to spur action with explicit subject lines Um, so here's an example here's a vague subject line launch date that tells me nothing there's a launch date i don't know when here's more explicit and this is pretty long so i don't know that i highly recommend this but But there's an action here. Please approve June 8th launch date. Could you just write June 8th launch date
2: question mark?
0: Yeah, you could do that. Just something that they know that you're asking them, there's an action there, not just, hey, there's a launch date, FYI. No, I need them to do something about that. Staff meeting, oftentimes, Jan Mason will send out staff meeting subject lines, and she'll put um, March 15th staff meeting, Sometimes she'll put March 15th staff meeting slash agenda needed, which flags for me that I've got to submit an agenda for the missions department or for whomever, so before the March 15th staff meeting. Okay. So when you're asking somebody to complete something for you, just make sure that you have that in your subject line. Yeah.
3: I think kind of with the last slide and then this one. We talked about well should I send three emails? Should I do we, it's because we all do scanner emails as well, yeah. We don't want to be the person that sends too many emails and then all emails are disregarded because we just become junk email. And so while sometimes it is good to break things up, we do have to be cognizant of the volume that we're sending as well. I know I know with me, there's some people I get emails from, I just Completely disregarded because I get too many. Yeah. And if they have something urgent or priority that I need to
0: do, frankly, I might miss it because I just completely well, get order. Yes. Somebody asked me the other day when should I use the urgent button? <laughs> okay, the urgent button is like the boy who cried wolf. If you're always putting the urgent button, nobody's ever going to believe that it's urgent. So, urgent means urgent. Like, this is an emergency. This is like, maybe I forgot to send this and I need an answer like right now or within the next 24 hours and you can even say that I'm, I'm sorry that this email is urgent you can explain why it's urgent in your email without getting too lengthy but I would caution against using the urgent button <laughs> it's
1: truly urgent. Use a phone call. yeah
0: use a phone call don't don't let it sit there because a lot of times people don't there are lots of people and I used to work with Brandon on a a weekly basis. There's lots of people in our office that don't read their emails, quite frankly. And so, like, if you need, I know, shocker. If you need an answer, sometimes the best way to do that, and I'm going to get into that, is picking up the phone, is picking up the phone. Okay, other subject line helps. Avoid blank subject lines. Um, Email communication is a library. People, and I feel like you should earmuff your ears, people use their... Um, their email is an electronic filing system, right? Does everybody have subfolders in their email? Yep. Yeah. So, what happens is this is a forever communication. It is sent out into the internet, it gets into somebody's inbox, and if it's important enough, they electronically file it for future reference. So, number one, your subject line, don't keep hitting reply back, you know, hitting the reply button without changing the subject line of a conversation. If if, there, if you have a run-on conversation with somebody and you're needing a new action, either start a new email thread or change the subject line because that person's not gonna know that you're asking for something different. Um, also, I oftentimes, um, when I was working with Pastor Jim, he communicated with people all over the world. And so he may have a conversation that he would ask me six months later about and it's like i would have to go back and reference and get context for the conversation that he had with somebody six months ago and so just know that when you put the proper subject line people use that as a library and as a resource to go back and get context Um, i just received an email this past week about ohio for jesus and when i opened it it gave me context for what it was i needed to work on but there were no action steps for right now so guess what i did i flagged it And i'll go back to it probably in about six weeks when it's due because it's not priority right at this moment and i will do my action items but i'm going to need context and so when you change the subject line um, make sure you're giving context to your reader that if they have to reference this in six months that they know what it is that you're asking from them don't base it off of a phone conversation or even um you know, like when you pass somebody in the hallway and you tell them a bit of information, make sure even if you told them that bit of information, put it in your email so they have context in writing for what it is you're asking for. Can I have well, people, I know who don't respond to emails, like um, text them, I send you an email, please read
2: it. Because sometimes it's longer than what you yeah. should put in a text yeah. or to a group or something. Right, yeah yes
0: yeah
3: something like because you know that i put way too much in there they're not going to read it and my texts would say it's really important and again it goes back to the crying wolf but you can't do that every no. time no. you really need something
2: yeah send them a text and there are people in my life that every time i them an email they get a text <laughs> because they just never check it
0: well and some people aren't administrative right we know that because I guarantee all the people in this room have a gift of administration. And so it is very bothersome to those of us that have a gift of administration to work sometimes with people that are visionary and they don't necessarily, they hate sitting down to read their email. And so just know if you're working with somebody like that, they want the bottom line, they want it direct and maybe put some context in there. If you're not getting responses, it's okay to have a conversation with somebody. It doesn't have to be, I think sometimes we think confrontation is ugly, but you can just say, hey, you know, what is the best way to communicate with you? I've had to do that with some of our leadership. Um, some of our leadership does not operate in email. They operate in Asana uh, with task lists. Task lists. And I've had to go to them and say, hey, I've sent you a few emails and I recognize that I haven't gotten responses for those. And so I'm realizing now that this isn't the best way to communicate with you. How would you prefer me to communicate with you? And that's it. Like just you just have to ask people sometimes. And so from those people I now know, they want me to flag them in Asana that I've sent them an email because they don't check their email and that's not how they track their tasks. And it's kind of a pain for me. But if I want the response, I'm going to do it.
2: Yes. So maybe like right. a, a week, yeah. like they check their email, or if that.
0: Yes. Because they're not
2: checking it daily for work, whereas I think as far as I know most of us, I have my computer out in front of me for several hours a day every day.
0: Yeah. I do too. I have a problem that I don't check personal email a lot. So I'm really great at answering work email. If somebody sends me something on my personal email, typically when I'm home with my family, I'm home with my family and I'm not scrolling on my personal email. So I will sometimes get text messages um, from friends or whomever or committees I sit on. Hey, I sent an email. Can you give me a response? I'm ashamed to say that that happens. But when I'm when I'm at home, I'm at home. And so, you know, I think that happens to a lot of us. Okay, so this is really tiny and I'll try to read it, but this is an example of don't always reply all, and I'm sure you guys all know this, but I'm just gonna touch on it because I can't tell you how many times I get stuck on a string of emails of reply all that I never needed to be on. And or people use it as instant message. Do you guys remember instant message? I did it in college. You'd get on there and you'd say hi how are you? And I cannot stand that when people use email as instant message, when it would be so much easier to pick up the phone and say, hey, when would that lunch meeting work for you? Instead of 20 emails later, nailing down the lunch date. Okay, so this is super tiny, so I'm going to read it. It, This email is from Ashley Higgins to Donna, and I've cc'd John Musgrave. John Musgrave and I are in the process of modifying the Open Church Transition Binder. We need the one-page pastoral covenant you developed last year. From Donna to Ashley and John M. Please see the attached covenant and keep me posted on how the project is going or if you need it, if you have any issues. Front from John M. to Donna. Thank you, CC Ashley. Thank you very much, Donna. Okay, continuing on. Email number four, from John M. to Ashley H. C.C. Donna. I'll revise the document and incorporate the newest edits to the covenant and binder. That's to me, but Donna's still C.C.'d. Perfect, Pastor John. This one's from me to Pastor John C.C. Donna. Poor Donna's getting strung along. Perfect, Pastor John. I'll await your revisions. Meanwhile, I'll schedule a date when you and I can meet with Pastor John Wooten to show him the revised binder. Number six email john m to ashley poor donna still along for the ride that sounds good ashley please schedule the meeting on a wednesday when i am in the office email number seven from ashley to john m cc donna sarah jan mason no problem pastor john wednesdays work for me too i'll contact jan to schedule so can you guys see where poor donna could have been dropped off on email number three and here she's gotten so with four extra emails in her inbox of the 121 that she probably received that day. So just be cognizant when we're sending those or responding to those, which I'm sure you're all aware. um, Don't reply all. Reply to the person that it affects. Unless it's somebody's assistant and they need kept in the loop, then you can reply to that reply all. Um, I would also say if you're sending um, emails to... Like committees, if you have committees or teams or anything like that, BCC, because not everybody wants everybody's reply. So just BCC everybody on the same email, and they can't see each other, and they can't see each other's responses, which is helpful because not everybody wants to see who's making the meeting and who's not making the meeting. How much time do I have here? Okay. Okay, be explicit about what you want. This is another email dialogue, okay? It says lots of wasted emails. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six emails. It says, please prepare your QI expense summary. This is from Shelby Pratt to me. Let me know if you need any expense reports for any prior months, and if you can email it to me by April 20th. Shelby clearly states what he wants from me, right? It's really succinct to the point. I know what he wants. Then I say, okay, I'll see what I can do. It's not really helpful to Shelby. He doesn't want me to see what I can do. Then I say, I send another email later that day. I say, Shelby, I'm working on the summary now and we will soon let you know which reports I need. Shelby doesn't need to know that I'm working on that, okay? Then I keep going and I finally ask him for the F- January and February expense reports. And he says, well, I'm out of town right now, Ashley, um, at the ACS conference this week. By when do you need the reports? And I finally get to the point with Shelby. I say, I need the reports by April 10th so I can finish the summary report by April 20th. It's just common sense stuff, but it makes all the difference on how people see you as somebody they're communicating with, right? You want people to respect you. You want people to respond to you. Um, so don't, don't string them along. Don't take their time. Just, just get, say what you need okay so this is the same conversation handled in two emails and I'm not going to reread it but I go into write into yes I can please email me the expense reports for January and February by April 10th so I give him a deadline that I need them by April 10th so he knows I'll give them back by April 20th does anybody have any questions nope okay um, so we just saw don't acknowledge every email um, oftentimes I'll get emails where somebody's given me some or I've sent something to somebody and people are so kind and polite and they will send back thank you with their signature. I know that they're grateful. You don't have to do that. If you're worried about somebody being wondering if you're grateful or not, you, you can send that email. It doesn't hurt to be polite, um, but it's not necessary. I think it's pretty much understood in the email communication world that you don't have to send back thank you.
2: Mm-hmm. Such so as thank you, so she knows that you
0: received the information yeah. she sent. And yeah.
2: So usually, you know, a thank you is instead of message received. Yeah. Or got it. Like, yeah. I got it a lot. Like, yeah. Because if I don't get a response, you don't know. about, like, say, with that email with Shelby? Yeah. If Shelby didn't get a response from you, and it's, you know, all of a sudden April 20th is there, and he's like, I don't know if I'm going to get a response. Yes,
0: but did you see my response in the last one? Yeah, that it was just very succinct. Yes.
2: If you didn't have an extra step for him.
0: Yes. Like yes. yes. I'm just saying it's not always necessary and you'll kinda of feel out personalities as you work with people, whether they expect that or not. I know Pastor John Wooten, when I worked with Jim Palmer, he didn't expect a response. He knew if he sent it, I got it taken care of. Pastor John Wooten and I don't work together as closely, and so he wants me to acknowledge his email that I got it, and then he wants the answer whenever I've got the answer. So, yeah, I, I think it just is a personality thing, and that's okay. And it's a relationship thing with coworkers or whomever you're working with. Did you have something to say? Okay. Um, avoid indistinct, indistinctive. I'll get back to you. Replies. Know when to and when not to send an email. So just common common sense stuff I think you guys are all familiar with that okay so this is how to make your email um, mobile friendly because people do open their email on their phone so use at least a 12 to 14 point font limit subject lines to 40 to 45 characters be careful when you use bullet points because they don't translate correctly on mobile devices so use like a dash or an asterisk Um, use single columns and be sure your call to action stands out like this. So I have got asterisks and then I've got um, it bolded. Yeah, highlights, yeah, highlights good too. Yeah, thank you for that. Okay, so make sure you, t- your call to action is known immediately. So use bold or highlighted like Joe just said, call to action in the subject line. Never assume others know the topic or context of your me- message. And I. Sometimes we're guilty of that, if we had a conversation in passing um, that we assume they still know what we're talking about. And so just make sure you bring that context. At the moment they read it, they may be multitasking, so they may forget, there should be a comment there, they may forget the issue you are addressing or the action you're requesting.
3: Sometimes I find it helpful to put my call to action or my bottom line up front first, and then give the context. That way, they're reading knowing they have to do something rather than read this whole long context about, oh, we're switching to this and this and that's going on. Mm-hmm. Here's the details. Now I need you to do this. I found that sometimes it's better just to say the call to action up front. I'm going to need this. And mm-hmm. then they can filter down the details of what they need.
0: Yeah. I think also always, uh, other email etiquette quick tips. Um, use uh, for your audiences, be aware of who you're emailing to, use salutations. I always use a salutation and um, sign offs. People may know that it's okay. They may know that it's okay to contact me with questions, but I always say it. I always say it because it's a polite thing to say and I think it's friendly and it's, uh, it gives them the ability and the open door to do so. Um, and that's a positive tone. I think sometimes when we're so direct, like we've been talking about email, it can come across as kind of brash. And so you can soften that with a salutation, hope you're well, and then please feel free to contact me with any questions. Um, Don't use all caps, it's equivalent to shouting. Avoid funky fonts and colored backgrounds. And that's, that's all I've got for you guys. Do you guys have any more questions or concerns or I'm trying to think if there's anything else helpful I can share. I feel like this is my life. is to, to, That's all I do is communicate, I feel like. I can say that um, oftentimes I will read emails that people treat it like a text message or don't look at their grammar and, and they're in positions that they really should. And so I wonder how that's reflected outside of our organization. And so I would just be cognizant of how you communicate over over email that you are using salutations, that you are setting a positive tone, that you are checking your grammar. I have two coworkers that sit next to me and anytime I'm sending a communication to people that that is a communication that really needs to be clear, I will have Sarah Snavely and Bethany Clayton read those emails because I just need another set of eyes. And oftentimes they'll say, hey, have you thought about putting it this way? That's a little more clear. Or did you check that error? That's an error right there. You know, I mean, we miss it. So that's, I guess, the last thought I can say is, don't be afraid to ask people to read something before you send it, especially if it's a difficult communication or, or something that you're really needing action from 30 people on. You want people to help you with that. Any questions? No? Thank you guys so much for coming. And I wish you well. And I'll set the positive tone to end. If you have any questions or <laughs> concerns, you feel free to reach out to me, because this is what I love doing. So thank you, guys.